If you'll turn in your Bibles, we're going to be over in the book of Acts to begin with. But before we do that, we're going to read over here on Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 5 where it says that counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. There are things that God has put on the inside of us. There are things that are inside of the Spirit of God. There are even things that are inside of the people that we can pull out or draw out or dip into the well or however it is that you want to want to put it. Last week we were looking at Abraham. That God had given him basically a well of promises. I'm going to make you. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to give you all these things that he was going to do. But they weren't happening for Abraham. But God said he wanted to do it. And we looked at the, what was keeping him from drawing those promises out. Fear, which is basically a lack of faith. He had no joy, no hope in the promises of God. And he spoke words that were based on these, these things, based on fear, based on lack of joy and hope. So instead, maintain faith, joy, and hope in your life. And you're going to see things change. But we're going to take a look at this. We've been bouncing back and forth. You know, usually when we take on a series, we take on one aspect of it and stay on it. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but one week I'm on here, and then one week I'm over here, and then I go back over in here, and I, I did that on purpose. And so we're, we're moving back over to the other spot. Last week we were on the positive side. Today we're on the negative side of things. But we're kind of going back and forth on it, positive and negative. We're on the negative side of things here right now. Because if I can learn how, how not to do it, then I can certainly learn how to do it or what I'm doing that's wrong. Because I think most of us have the attitude that I'd, I'd change what I'm doing wrong if I knew I was doing it. But I don't know it. So, <laughs> I keep doing it that way. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, and you'll have to bear with me. I'm reading from the scriptures and I'm reading from the New King James Version. But since I have the different computer, I mean it's more modern. It is a far more modern computer, and the program is far more modern than what I'm using. But I feel like I'm in the Stone Age, because I can't do what I'm normally able to do with this newfangled stuff. <laughs> so I have the scriptures here and here, but there's no verses. So I'm just reading. I'll just stop where I feel like it. So I may sometimes stop halfway through a verse, and you're like, why did he stop halfway through that? I don't know. I don't know where I'm there. <laughs> so I'm just kind of reading it. <laughs> So yeah, bear with me here today. We'll see if we can get those, those things fixed up. I'll get back to the old way of doing things. There's a reason why I do this particular thing the old way, as much as I like newfound, newfangled stuff, because they haven't made anything better. Mm. And Stephen, not me, <laughs> full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there, were, there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen. And we have Syrians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said this man does not cease to blaspheme or speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place 
and changed the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Now you will notice this, that things that have gone on in the Bible times went on in the Old Testament and go on today. They're very much the same. It has been a long time since we have looked at this, but how many remember times in the past we've talked about the spirit of Antichrist? The Bible refers to this phrase, the spirit of Antichrist. There is a spirit of Antichrist that has been present for many, many uh, centuries. Long, long, long time. goes way, way back. It's still present now. It has affected many leaders from many nations, including ours. The spirit of Antichrist has affected almost every nation on the face of this earth. It has steered it in directions and to do things. And there are not just leaders, but also others who follow after it. And it is very easy to see. And so we spent some time many years ago identifying the spirit of Antichrist. That the spirit of Antichrist does very similar things consistently. And if you know the spirit of Antichrist, you can pick it up. And whomever it is, here's the real kicker. It occurs in people that you like. It has occurred in people that you like. It has occurred in presidents. It has occurred in congressmen, in leaders, in people of all sorts of places of power in our country and in other countries. And so we've given you the things that are, that are there. It's really easy to see. And once you get a hold of what the spirit of Antichrist is and you stay attuned to it, you can pick it up. No matter, you can pick it up easy. The spirit of Antichrist, folks, affects the church. It has affected many a church leader. It has affected many prominent church leaders. Many people that are church leaders that are on TV have been affected by the spirit of Antichrist. And God told you this would happen. It's nothing that's new. It's nothing to be in fear about. Because you can, you can smell it. It's easy. It is not hard to figure out where this thing is because he generally always does the same thing. He inspires people to do the same things. Way, way, way back. We're going way, way, way back. Some of you folks may not have been here very long, but you remember when the first George Bush was president? And I did like him. He, 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 he uh, uh, claimed to be a, a Christian. And I had no reason to doubt that he wasn't a Christian. I don't mean to say he claimed to be one and that he, uh, we're suspicious of that. Uh, there have been many people that are claimed to be Christians that have been affected by the spirit of Antichrist. How many of you remember, remember when he came out with that phrase that shocked the world? We're getting ready for a new world order. Yeah, you know where that came from? And I'll tell you, that's why we told you to pray for your presidents. Because you do not know the pressure our presidents are under to give in to the spirit of Antichrist. Because there are many in powerful positions who have given into it, yielded themselves to it, and continued to push against them. We saw it in the second George Bush. We saw it in the presidency with Clinton. We saw it in uh, President Obama's administration. In fact, it was so prevalent there, I actually spent what I was going to be one Sunday, I think, we, didn't we make it two or three Sundays? And we spent, we showed you where the spirit of Antichrist is and how it matched up. I don't think in my lifetime there has been a president that was not affected by it. as well as other church leaders and other things that are, are going on. But when we look at this 
The re reason I bring that up is because as we look at this, you're going to see the spirit of Antichrist if you know how to recognize it. In fact, we just read over it and you should be able to see it. Here's, the, here's one of the characteristics of the spirit of Antichrist. They came against the wisdom of God and they failed. They could not, look at the, look at the word it again. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. I'm a, I apologize for our folks back there. We got <laughs> Daryl's next door. He's help, helping getting things ready for, for that. And Alexis is back there and she's filling in on the one week. I don't have the verses to tell you. <laughs> but she, so when she's flipping around back there, just know she's doing a fantastic job finding stuff because I'm not giving her any help here at all. <laughs> so we appreciate her filling in and doing that, that stuff back there, keeping everything going. But it says they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Now, that's not the spirit of Antichrist. Here's the spirit of Antichrist. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against man, Moses and God. If you go through the Old Testament, if you go through the New Testament, and if you look at how it's going on here today, the spirit of Antichrist can never stop the wisdom of God. So it tries to undermine the character of the one giving it. It is, it is continual. It is constantly going on. Do you remember they did it with Daniel? Do you remember they did it with his friends? Do you remember how they came against Moses? How they came against his character? It is every single leader who was doing things for God had this spirit that came against them and they couldn't combat what they said, the wisdom with which they spoke, so they tried to come against their character. And I'll tell you what, people today... You let the, not, not you, per, I know you folks don't listen to them. I just mean people in general. Thank God for you folks. But people in general today, let the media tell them who is a moral person and who is not. That is the most ridiculous source to listen to who is moral. How in the world can we do that? But see, this is what they did with Stephen. They couldn't come against the wisdom with which he spoke. So they decided, let's get people to rise up and to say stuff. Remember Herman Cain? I've told you before, he was one of my favorite candidates to run for, run for president in a long time. I just, I love the ideas he had. Uh, I don't know if I was behind all the ideas. I was, I was listening to the ideas. I wanted to get, they were a very, very different way of thinking about things, but I liked the way he was coming about. He wasn't going about it normal. He was going about it in a different way. He wasn't a political person. He didn't come out of the political mess he didn't have any of that info. I like that some of the stuff that's going on. They couldn't combat the things that he was saying. So what did they do? It seems to me like they did the same thing. They hired people to come up and say things about him, tear down his character, because after he decided to resign and not put his family through all that, you know what happened? It all stopped. Every bit of it stopped. I know in modern days today, we had a particular, I forget which one it was, whether it was Manafort or it was Flynn or one of those guys who was accused of things. He was one, whoever it was who accepted a guilty plea in the FBI investigation. Do you know that the FBI lied to him in order to get a guilty plea out of him? The FBI lied to him. Do you know the FBI gave him the impression that he was going to be found guilty and sent to jail? And he couldn't afford the legal case anymore that was coming against him. And so he, was, he lost all his, his retirement. He had to sell his house. And he didn't do anything. 
And that the particular guy I'm talking about actually came out of the Obama administration, so I'm not trying to defend the Trump guy. He came out of the Obama administration. He was a holdover, and Trump held him over. And they, uh, they, were, they came against him with all these things. Had to sell his house, lost all his savings, and finally said, I can't afford this anymore, and he settled. Now they're trying to get it thrown out because what it, what it turns out was the FBI said, we don't think he lied. But they didn't tell him that when they were trying to get a plea out of him. How would you like it if you were under that kind of scrutiny? How would you like it if you, if you had that stuff come after you? But see, this is what, the, what it does. The spirit of Antichrist will rise up. And if it cannot combat the wisdom with which you speak, it will come against your character and it will do exactly what was done here. Hire people for which they will say false things and try and get people to doubt your character. Do you remember Ahab? King Ahab? Remember that they wanted a vineyard? He wanted a vineyard. And so his wife went out and put on this feast. And what did she do? She took a very upstanding person and got these guys to speak against him so that he was taken out and stoned. It is common. It is all the time. And whenever you see this go on, you do not have to question where it came from. You know exactly where it came from. And why in the world would the church listen to anyone under that kind of influence? I don't know. Not you folks, but other people do. I put this in your, in your outline for you. Anger cannot overcome wisdom until... I, I put this until... Because how many of y'all know at the end of the story with Stephen, doesn't anger overcome the wisdom? Stephen dies. He gets stoned. So anger did overcome. How did anger overcome the wisdom of God? Anger cannot overcome wisdom until it is able to move the field from what is sensible to what is emotional. At that point, it still needs two things to happen. So when we move the field from what is sensible, what makes sense to what is emotional, once we move the field there, we don't have victory. We still need two more things to happen. First off, we need a crowd who follows. We need a crowd who follows. You cannot have victory over the wisdom of God unless you have a crowd who follows after these things. You can go back in the history, you can go back in the Word of God, and you can look at how did the, the crowd that followed those that came against Daniel, the crowd that followed those that came against his friends, the crowd that followed that came against Moses, the crowd that followed that came against Elijah, the crowd that followed that came against Elisha, Jeremiah, you name it, and a crowd followed and came after them. That is what gives the power. It is not the truth of what the Spirit of Antichrist speaks. It is the crowd that gives it the power. So first off, a crowd who follows. And secondly, leaders who look to appease. You need two things in order for this to work. You need a crowd who follows and leaders who look to appease. We're going to see this in the examples as we go on through here. And this is important for you to know. We're, it's not, I, I don't care so much how you care, look at the current events. I use current events just so you can get an idea where, where it's going. But this is about your spiritual walk and what the devil is trying to do to get you from having these things work, to get you to not be able to draw out good things from other people, to not be able to draw out good things that are on the inside of you, to not be able to draw out the promises of God that he has made for you. These are the ways he is going to go about it. Here's the first one. The accusations presented do not need to be proved 
explanations are not tolerated and this truth is not pursued. And the truth is not pursued. Whenever these accusations come out, and you look at it today, we don't need to prove them. They're made. There's a, there's a, uh, a phrase that was uh, started, I don't know how many years ago, many years ago, when all these things were coming against political candidates and, and things. And the phrase was this, and I don't know who, who said it. It was, it was some nut job in Congress. I, I really don't know which one it was because there's a whole lot of them in there. It might have been Nancy Pelosi. It might have been, you know, a Barbara Baxter or I, I don't know. It was somebody like that. Um, and they said this. They said, well, because of the nature of the charges, we have to investigate. Really? Didn't it used to be that you needed evidence in order to start an investigation? It was the nature of the evidence that caused the investigation. You know, well, we found the bloody knife in your trunk. I guess we're going to investigate. Isn't that what you, it usually was? But now all I have to do is go up and say, I think Mandy killed somebody. Oh, that's a pretty serious, pretty serious accusation. Well, because of the seriousness of the charge, we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to investigate you. In fact, we're going to go through all the stuff in your house. We're going to go through all the stuff in the bank accounts and all your phone calls. We're going to interview everybody who knows you just to find out if you did kill somebody. Because this is a serious charge. Isn't that the most ridiculous thing in the world? But that's what we're faced with now. Why? Because we don't need to prove the charge. Because all we're trying to do is tear down the character. That is the thing of the, of the spirit of Antichrist. Just understand this, folks. We are not looking for one Antichrist. He will eventually show up. But in the meantime, there is the spirit of Antichrist, which the Word of God says is, is here. It's present. It's going on. Accusations don't need to be proved. Explanations are not tolerated. How many times have people tried, sat down and tried to explain why they, this, this thing isn't true? We don't want to hear that. Mm-mm. No, no, no. We're going to do our investigation. So the truth is not pursued. So this is how it is today. We get wisdom from God is, is opposed. It's not the wisdom of God opposed. Every place you go, the wisdom of God is opposed. And people who stand up for it. If you have preachers, if you have people in the body of Christ who stand up for the truth and the word of God, what happens? All the forces are put, put against them and they're called names. You're a homophobe. You're a racist. You're a bigot. All these things. Where's the evidence? We don't need evidence. We're just throwing these things out. And it's constant. I get tired of it. I've been tired of it. False evidence is presented as facts. Because no one's going to check them out. Did you hear about this whole, this whole thing? You know, the whole Russian investigation, which is just a fiasco, you know, just the way they're carrying it out. But you know, they indicted, I think it was, uh, se- well, I'll say several. I'm not sure how many. Several of the Russian companies that were involved supposedly in the, the collusion and all that sort of stuff. Several of them. Do you know, did you anybody hear about this? Let me know if you heard about this. One of them showed up. They had one of those com- uh, companies that showed up at the investigation. And they showed up and they said, we want to see the evidence that you have. No one was expecting to present evidence. They just wanted the accusation. They expected no one would show up. And therefore, they never have to present any evidence for it. Did anybody ever hear about that? You have not heard of... Wow. All right. If you're curious, I can get you the information where it was. But uh, 
they had several companies from Russia that were accused in the uh, whole, um, whoever's conducting the investigation, I forget the guy's name. Um, Mueller, there you go. And they, they caught him on the carpet, show us the end. We're here. They don't have to, they're in another country. There's no reason for them to show up, but they did. They showed up. Well, only one company did, but one, of the, one did uh, show us the evidence. So we're not prepared to show you the evidence because the investigation is still going on and we, uh, you know, we might still be able to find out some stuff. <laughs> okay, there we go. For the purpose of, if false evidence was presented as facts for the purpose of stirring up my emotions. Correct understanding is combated. If you want to understand something correctly, that's that you're accused. And once the field is moved from the sensible to the emotional, our defeat is inevitable. Don't let them, don't let the enemy take you from the place where which is sensible into the places that are emotional. He'll do this with sickness and disease. You see, when you get presented with sickness and disease, and the doctor comes to you and he says, "You're going to die." What does that tend to do with you? Does, isn't it something that tries to move you over into the field of the emotional? You're not going to have this anymore. You're going to lose this. This is going to be taken from whatever it is. It, it's, you can feel that pull. It tries to pull you over into the emotional. Brother Hagin used to put it this way. He said, in the realm of faith, the devil can't win. In the realm of senses, he can't lose. Huh. something along those lines anyway look at the woman with the issue of blood let's take a look at her example if she's going around she's been having this thing for 12 years right we already looked at the story just recently so there's no reason to go over the details but for 12 years she's been having this and she has sought many things from many physicians the, the, the word of God tells us and then when she heard about Jesus what did she say I know if I just touch the hem of his garment I know I shall be healed so we've gone over that. We've seen, she probably said it out loud. She probably talked about it to the people that were close to her who have seen her pursue things before. What do you think would happen if you kept pursuing the healing, the, 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 the way out of something and every time you sought a way out, it failed? What would the people around you begin to say when you found a new way? Don't get your hopes up. You know, this. nothing else has worked. Why do you think this is going to work? They begin to, to sow these things into you because the enemy knows how to use people around you to pull you down. They know how to do it. And so he will continue to, to try and pull you down. This, this is not going to work. So she's probably being told this. People are probably telling her, you can't get near Jesus. You can't go out there and touch Jesus. You can't. And they're always, you can't, you can't, you can't. Trying to pull from the sensible because where she is is very sensible. Other people touched the hem of his garment. Other people touched his clothes. And they were healed. So therefore I can. That's sensible. But trying to pull her in the area of motion. It won't work for you. It won't happen for you. How about blind Bartimaeus? We haven't covered him recently, but we have covered him in the past. Blind Bartimaeus over there by the side of the road when he heard that Jesus was coming down the road. What's he do? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What did all the people say? Oh, you want to get healed. Let me help you with that. Let me get Jesus' attention for you. They all said, quiet down. Be quiet. We don't want to be hearing your noise. But he said all the more, what? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heard him. 
And he calls him over. So then all the people said, oh, he's calling you. Come on, come on, come on. And what did he do? He took his cloak and he threw it aside. Because that's his blind coat. Gave him the right to beg in the streets. He threw it aside. I don't need this anymore. And he goes up to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do? <laughs> uh, I'm blind. What do you think I want you to do? But Jesus always asks people, what do you want me to do for you? I want to receive my sight. And he was healed. But people around him tried to get him into the emotional spot. But he stayed. And what I'm just giving you, Nick, I call in here the sensible area. Just thinking it through. God's word said it. So I'm going I'm to go ahead and believe it. Now, to see how quick this emotional thing is and how effective it is, on my way out of, or on our, your folks as you were leaving last week, I, you know, I always love to engage in conversation. I have fun with it. So I'm engaging in conversation. And so if you don't like this, you can bring Brother, Brother Naz because it's his fault. <laughs> Guy right back there. Always tells you what can Brown do for you. This is what he did. <laughs> He's, we were having a conversation about immigrant children. How many have heard stories about immigrant children? Yeah. yeah, apparently they're in the news a lot. I don't tune into them at all, so I haven't heard too much about it. So he was telling me what was going on in that. So I did take up uh, some looking at what's going on in immigrant children because he was saying, we had a, a brief conversation about it. He says, oh, I didn't know that was going on. He says, you ought to tell people about that because, man, they are stirring me up. <laughs> How many have heard some things about this that's just stirring you up? Yeah. All right. We'll give you a little bit of that. I'm just going to give you a little, because I don't want to be here to tell you current events, but I want to use current events to help you understand what the enemy is, what the enemy is trying to do, because the enemy is working on you, folks. He is trying to work on you. Uh, the thing that happened with children is that uh, some time ago, somewhere around the area of 2013, is that children all of a sudden were being put onto trains in the South American countries and were being shipped up to the United States. And they would come at the border and they were um, uh, dispersed into homes. How many remember the reports where diseases that had been eradicated in the United States began to pop up in different schools and things like that? This is why, because these uh, kids were not going through any kind of health programs. They were immediately put into schools, they were put into homes, and they were distributed all around the country. Um, no real screening that had gone on for them at all. And so people saw this and they got outraged that, the, that we were not helping these kids more because that's how the thing was put. Folks, do you know? Uh, now think about this. Uh, how many of you, have, how many people here have been a parent? All right. Picture this as a parent. Can you as a parent take your five-year-old, your four-year-old, your three-year-old, seven or six-year-old, can you as a parent take them and put them on a train to go up through the country of Mexico on the train, however far they went in South America, to the border of the United States without any supervision? Could you do that as a parent? How many, peop- how many of you parents are like my wife and did not like the child on the bus to go to school. How many, can agree, how many can relate to that? Especially your moms. You didn't like the child on the bus going to school. That's, that's in you. That's the mom thing in you. It's, uh, can you imagine putting them on a train? Unsupervised. In a train. Set north. Now what happens when you put a bunch of kids in a small area 
unsupervised. What happens? They all act like angels, don't they? Tell you what, let's do another little experiment. Um, Chelsea, school out yet? Um, yeah. Oh, we can't do that. We can't do that experiment. Then. I was going to have you do something for me. Uh, how old are the kids you usually teach? Um, 14, 18. 14, they're too old anyway. <laughs> all right, you have to just use your imagination. I want you to imagine going into a kindergarten class, 30 kids in the kindergarten class, and you come in as a teacher and said, kids, um, I have some things to do today, some errands to run, and so I'm going to leave you here, but I'll be back in a, you know, a couple hours. What will happen in that kindergarten class? How many think good things are coming out of this kindergarten class today? We all know it's, it's not going to be good, right? Because kids aren't necessarily good. Now, now begin to think about this. What happens when you put a bunch of kids together? You get some of them that are dominant and some of them that are submissive. You get some that are loud. You get some that kind of take the back seat. So what you're going to have there, especially in a, in a small car, train car. I don't know what, I have no idea how the car's set up. I don't know if it's just like a cattle truck or if they got uh, seats in it. I do not know. I didn't see pictures. I'm not going to try and assume that. But no matter what it looks like inside, if you have a car and you got a bunch of kids in there, they're all vying for the same amount of resources that that train car has, right? So who's going to get them? Are they all going to say, look, this, let's divide this up fair and even? You think six-year-olds are going to do that? No, the dominant ones are going to take most of it. There's going to be some that are going to be left with little. That includes water, food, sleeping space, bathrooms, whatever it might be. Did anybody ever think about that with these trains coming on up? There's competition. Can you imagine your little one not being around you and having to fight other people for food, for water, for sleeping, maybe for a blanket, maybe for a pillow, maybe whatever it might be. Can you imagine that going on? Can you imagine as a parent you putting your, 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 your young child into that situation? Is this, is this situation ripe for abuse? It surely is. And do you know what? The government back in 2013 set this up. Because parents do not put their kids on trains all in mass quantities and send them to the border of the United States. The trains were sent for them and ads were made for those who would be willing to bring their kids up here. There were also ads that were placed in our country for houses and people who would accept children before the first train arrived. There were ads placed in our country to find homes for these to go in. So when the train arrived, they had places to put them out right away. Why did they do that? Because if you can get the kids in here, you can then get the others in here. And we've got a bunch of people in our government who think that if you have a dependent class of people, they will stay in power. And so they keep trying to get more dependent class, even to the point of risking children and putting them in such a life-altering situation. Now, you're hearing a lot of things about children being met at the border and um, uh, parents being, how many have heard the things, parents being ripped apart? All right, you've heard that one? All right, here's the reality of it. Everybody's blaming Trump for it, right? All right, that's a policy, folks, that has been in place since before Trump. In fact, it's a state policy by states like California. That's a state policy, not a, not a U.S. policy. See, the state policy is that the children cannot be locked up longer than 20 days. So if they are come across the border and they are illegal, 
they are put into a detention facility. But according to certain states, you can't hold them for more than 20 days. So if you cannot hold the child for 20 days, but you can hold the adults, you have a choice of two things. Either you move the child to another facility, or you let everybody go. Did anybody ever present you with that, that little bit of information? So that's a, I know California has that law. I don't know what other states do, but you can probably you know, look down the, on the border and which ones would, would begin to have these kind of things. So they're trying to deal with that particular policy. Has anyone told you this policy, but why don't we just let them all in? How many have ever thought, why don't we just let them all in? Do you know one of the common practices of drug traffickers is to grab a couple of kids and bring them up with him and say that we are a family, that they would be given administ- administration into the country? And once the drug traffickers have gotten into the country, do you know what they do with the kids? Does anybody have any idea what they do with the kids? They leave them out in the desert to die. How's that for, for kindness for kids? But you see, we don't tell you about all these other things that are going on. All we want to do is they show you the pictures. How many saw the pictures of the kids in the doll cages? Yeah. I heard that one around there too. I didn't find that out until you know, Brother, <laughs> Brother Naz was telling me. I went some looking around. Do you know the, the, the first picture? And I saw a doll cage and the two kids laying down on the side there. And they, and they blamed Trump for it, right? Except that picture was taken in 2014. The other big picture that they float around beside that one was taken in 2016 before Trump even took office. Now, a couple of the places that put it up, once word got out and start, started circling around, when it came out, they began to pull them down. You see, I say all that. There's a whole lot more I could be telling you about on this, this stuff. I, because I don't like this stuff going out there. I don't bring everything out to you. If you ever have any questions on any of the stuff that's going on, ask me. Because I don't bring them all out on Sunday. But I generally know about it. And I can tell you some more of the, the story. I can point you to things you can read if you want to. If you want to go out and not just take my word for it. I can point you to things to, for you to read. But don't get on our country so fast. Do you know our country, as far as immigration is concerned, we immigrate more people, legally, we immigrate more people into this country than all the other countries combined. All of them. You know, if you're an illegal entry into Mexico, you could be locked up. Here, you get put on welfare. People are out there trying to fix the problem, trying to keep this thing down. But um, the media is not telling you. The reason for it is they want to tug on your heartstrings, get you out of the sensible and into the emotional. Because if you get into the emotional, you'll begin to make decisions that benefit them, don't benefit you, and don't benefit the people that you say you're trying to defend. Because they got you into an emotional area. First off, if the news media reports it, believe it's a lie. That's the first thing you do. If the news media reports it, just believe it's a lie. Because most of the time, it is a lie, it's a partial truth, it's something to steer you to something away from the truth. The truth is out there if you want to find it. But not if you just listen to the media. Not if you listen to all the stuff that they, uh, they report about it. You've got you to be, um, <laughs> be sharp with these things. If the media's lips are moving, generally, they are lying. I don't, I don't trust the thing that they say. And at any time that the news media gives me an article and they are steering me in a particular direction to believe... I go the opposite way until I find out the truth. 
Because I know whatever way they're trying to steer me is the wrong way. The spirit of Antichrist, folks, affects our media more than anything. And it's amazing all that they, they do. All right. Let's take a look at this. Luke chapter 23, verse 1. We're over here with Jesus. Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? So, in light of all that stuff we just said, take a look at what they do. They do here. Look at the, there are three accusations here. Three accusations. First off, he's perverting the nation. What does that mean? What does perverting the nation mean? We don't know, does it, do we? It's pretty, pretty widespread. We really don't know what perverting the nation is. And is perverting the nation making it something that they don't like? And maybe what they don't like is what everyone else does like. So what is perverting the nation? It sounds bad, but we don't have to offer any proof as to what it is. We're perverting the nation. Doing or teaching the things we don't like. Basically it. Here about the second one. Forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar. Did Jesus forbid to pay taxes to Caesar? No. no, when they came to him and they said about paying taxes to Caesar, what does he do? What does he say? Give me a coin. Whose inscription is on it? Caesar's. Well, then render the things to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. Did he say don't pay taxes? No. no. Forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, but you see, we don't care about the sensible. What we want to do is get people into an emotional area. And it's going to get people here into an emotional area. Saying that he himself is Christ the King. Did he say that? Well, to a degree, he did. But not the way that they're saying it. But they don't care if they present it right. They just care that they present it. Did Jesus not say that my kingdom is not of this world? Therefore, he's not a threat to any king on this world. But you see, this is the spirit of Antichrist. This is what it does. It takes things and moves people into an emotional realm. This is not something that we are to do. Glory to God. I am just going to assume that our heater did not respond to your touch. Air conditioner. Is that correct? All right. Come on up here. Oh, it did respond to somebody's touch. All right. Use that. You can move her up and down and do all sorts of stuff like that. Because it does feel like people are getting a little cold out of here. I'm fine. Glory to God. I have a wide range of temperature, which I can be comfortable. But I want you all to be comfortable. So we don't, we don't like it when you get, get uncomfortable. So I think it's actually set for higher than it is. I don't know why it's still running. Maybe the permanent hole wasn't hit or something like that. That might be what it, what it was. Anyway, we'll work on getting that to be, uh, be turned down here for you. So here's the three things that were said, and all of them are corrupted. You see, we don't care about the truth. And the spirit of Antichrist doesn't care about the truth. Same way the news media today does not care about presenting you the truth. They care about presenting what will steer you into an emotional response. That's all they care about. And the enemy, the devil, when you get 
to believing God for a baby like Abraham did, for a healing like the woman with the issue of blood did, or the blind Bartimaeus did. All he cares about is let's get you out of this area of faith and get you into a place of emotion. Jairus, remember him. He was in a place of faith. But then people came and they said, don't trouble the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. What does that do to him? Take him out of his place of faith and move him into a place of emotional response. If you get into a place of emotional response, you will not draw on the well. You will not. You've got to stay in the area of faith. You've got to stay in the area that is sensible. What God said, God means. God will do. This is the area we need to stay in. But the enemy doesn't want you to stay there. He, will, he is good at this. I mean, he hasn't come up with too many tactics because he doesn't need to. He can find a way to get you into the emotional realm generally. Glory to God. You can be, you can be set free from that. If you're having any more trouble with that, uh, pull Keith over. Or just go over there and walk it over to him and <laughs> we'll get that, get that turned down some. All right, let's read the rest of this. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priest and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. Three accusations, all taken in a wrong, all taken to a wrong place. They were presented wrong. And still Pilate sees through it. He still saw through it. I find no fault in this man. But they were more, more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. And here's another aspect of it. If you don't respond to the coercion to get into the emotional realm with the things that are reported to pull you in there, then a fierceness comes. How many times have we seen this? This fierceness that comes. You will do this. You will stop. What do you mean you won't bake a cake for this one? What do you mean you won't sell flowers for this? What do you mean you won't print that shirt? And a fierceness comes. Because if you're not responding to the emotional things that we want, then we will come in and get this fierceness going on. And then a lot of people back down. Because why? Because I engaged my emotions and I became... Afraid. Remember Joshua? What's the first thing the Spirit of God said to him when he took over for Moses? Be of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Why? Because he was going to come against some very great fierceness in the people who lived in the land who are going to try and intimidate them from coming and taking their land. There was going to be a fierceness. It happened in that day. It happened in Moses' day with Egypt. It happened in countless other days after that. Is that if you do not respond the way that this spirit wants you to, a fierceness will come against you. Now, how did Jesus respond when they came after him with this fierceness? I remember one time he, he said this. No man takes my life. I lay it down. <laughs> Come after me with all you want to. You ain't taking this life from me. I'll lay it down when I'm good and ready. 
when it's time, but you're not taking it from me. Ooh, they're not used to somebody standing up, coming against us. Wow, that shouldn't be. So the truth of this is, is uncovered. You know what else? He uncovered their motive. Doesn't tell us that until later on. But he uncovered their motive because he said he realized the only reason they brought Jesus in was because of envy. Mark 15.10 said this, For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. That's why they did it. But he found a way out of this thing. He said, what? He's from Galilee? Oh, let's send him over to Herod. <laughs> so he sends him over to Herod trying to get this uh, out of the way. Mark chapter 15, verse 6. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, however, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd. You see, you've got to get the crowd involved. If they don't have the crowd involved, they don't have the power. Lies only have power when the crowd gets behind them. Don't give in to the lies. Don't get behind them. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him who you call the king of the Jews? All right, now we've always told you this. When you read the stories in the word of God, picture yourself there. Picture yourself there. You are in the crowd. You are seeing Jesus up there on trial. This same Jesus who walked your streets and may have healed somebody in your family, if not you yourself. Healed them had taught you things you never learned before. Opened your eyes to truth that you didn't see. This is what he did for you. And these are the people that are in the crowd. What could they say to turn this crowd against Jesus? They probably came with some false accusations. He's trying to take this away from Israel. No, he's not. I know he's not trying to do that. I heard him teach. I heard, I saw, and they may come out against that. Now, what do you think? Picture yourself over there. If you said this to one of the Pharisees, one of the chief priests, one of the Sadducees, one of the leaders there, if you said, and you argued with them when they came and tried to stir you up, cry out to crucify him. No, he healed me. Cry out and crucify him. If you go against the things that they say, what will they meet you with? Do you think they'll do this? Oh, he healed you. Oh, I understand why you're not uh, why you're not going to turn against them. That's fine. You go ahead and do. would they do that? How would they respond? You don't even need an imagination for this, do you? They would come after them with a great fierceness. You will say this. You will do this. I remember one of the Jesus films that was out there. That people who um, were in the crowd, they kind of pictured the crowd, and they had people who were shouting for Jesus to be freed. And they had uh, one of the leaders of the uh, group, they came on back and they clocked them with an elbow or a punch or something like that and put them down on the ground. Yeah. Anybody remember that one? Yeah. I thought, man, that is so good. That's, that's what was going on. There was an intimidation thing. There was a force that would be coming out because this is how this spirit operates. Yeah. 
and it operates in people and it needs a crowd to have the, the power. That's what it needs. Why do you think we have so many riots in this country? Why do you think that it is that certain people finance riots? Hire buses, hire people to do it. Why do they do that? Because they know they need a crowd. They need you to think there's a crowd. They need you to think there's masses number of people who are on their side. Even though there may not be many at all. Because if they can give the impression that there's a crowd, that there's a bunch of people, that gives them power. Don't let them do it. Now, this is what the devil tries to do with you as well. He is going to come after you if you are believing God for whatever it is that you might, whatever promise that you are believing God for and you're having the right confession and you're having the right faith and the belief and you're going after it and he is going to come and he's going to hit you with doctor's reports that are negative, with pains in your body, with something that you sense is just not right. Things that go wrong. Surprises that happen. All this kind of stuff he's going to throw at you. And then once that event comes, he then sows the thought. It's because you're a failure. It's because that's not going to happen. With Abraham, Abraham is hearing these thoughts. You're never going to have a baby. God can't fulfill this promise with Sarah. You guys are never going to have the multitude of descendants. Pretty soon a thought was sown. You can have it through, through Hagar. That didn't come from God, but they empowered it. And people empowered these things as well. It's going to happen in your life, folks. Because what happens when the Word of God is sown in your life? Jesus told us a parable that we read even this week if you're reading in your chapters. So or so is the word. And some fell upon this soil and that soil. The birds came and ate it. Got scorched. The thorns came and choked it out. Because Satan does not like seed. He is going to do everything he can to keep you out of the word. He's going to discourage you about being around word people. Been around them word people for a while. They're kind of weird. Always believing God for something. Always confessing something. Always seeing this kind of stuff. They just act weird. I just get tired of being around faith people. Want to be around some normal Christians. See, this thought comes into your head. And then lo and behold, you meet some people who don't go to a faith church. And they seem normal. We came across the an event recently and uh, there was a gentleman who hasn't been in a apparently in a word faith church for a while but had been saying things out of his mouth that I thought holy cow how did his thinking get in that direction how did he go into I know that they know better than that. how did they get into a direction like that I heard, um, heard this brother make a prayer. And they're praying for another person. And as they prayed for him, they prayed this. Father, increase his faith. I thought, why would he pray that? 
who in their right mind would make a prayer like that? Because what happened when the disciples said, increase our faith? What did Jesus say? Yeah, come on over here, guys. Let me pray for you. Got a prayer just like that. Come on. Got a, got a faith prayer right here. Increase your faith. Now, how's your faith get increased? By using what you got. But you see, if we fall into these things, why? Because they got away from the word. Now, I guarantee you that brother has absolutely no idea how much word he's fallen from. In fact, I could prove it to you just in the things that he said. No idea how much word he's fallen from. But I tell you what, this is what the devil wants to do. He's got to get you out of an area where you are being, where you are learning the word. He's going to try and do that through people. Get you discouraged because this person is acting this way and this thing happens this way and this is going on here. He's going to try and do it. You don't let it happen. You stay on it. Remember Lot? He got away from those things that made him successful. From the people that helped him out. He thought, well, I'm pretty good now. I can do this. So the enemy wants to do, folks. It's the same tactic. Don't let him do it. What then do you want me to do with him who you call king of the Jews? They said, crucify him. Why? What evil has he done? We don't care. Crucify him. See, this is the power of the mob. We don't care if he's guilty of anything. We want him dead. And I tell you what, we see that power of the mob here today. And it goes on. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him and to be crucified. See, you need a leader who cares what the crowd has to say. You need a leader who does that. So the crowd is stirred up by the chief priest. He asks, what do you want me to do? And asks, why? What evil has he done? All right, let's get to the end here. Can you be stirred up by what is false? Can you? I'm not talking about people in other churches here. I'm talking about you. Can you be stirred up by what is false? Do not raise your hands on this. But how many folks were, were stirred up by the things that were showed about immigration? How many got your emotions? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. Just in, on the inside. How many of you felt your emotions be going over? If you did, you were able to be stirred up by what is false. Don't be stirred up by what is false. Only be stirred up by what is true. What you need to do is practice resistance. The old famous Star Trek logo from the best villains ever created. The Borg. And one of their big things was resistance is futile. <laughs> you will be absorbed into the collective. And so they just kept putting this out. Resistance is futile. Well, they didn't tell... Uh, Captain Picard didn't quite buy it. I don't believe that I that resistance... And he kept resisting, of course, in the movie he won. Blew them guys up, which we all cheered for. I'm still convinced that they took the Borg ship right out of the book of the Bible. Anybody know which one I'm talking about? How many know what the Borg ship looks like? Oh, come on. Only Ray? Have I not raised you right? Man. <laughs> Star Wars is evil. Star Trek is good. I don't, can't be much more complain than that. I think they took that ship right out of the book of Revelation because it looks just like the New Jerusalem. I can't prove that. 
<laughs> but it sure it has the same dimensions. It's huge and it's square. Who else puts a ship like that out there? All right. Can you be stirred up by what is false? Hip up by what is evil? Is not what is false what is evil? Do you see how susceptible we can be to this? Because what is false is created by those that are evil for the purpose of steering you away from the truth. And if they got your emotions in the area of immigration, they probably got your emotions in some other areas too. I'll bet you some of you hated Flynn because of some of the things they said about him but never looked into the guy's life to find out what he's about. Never found out what he was going through. Because your emotions were stirred in the direction that they wanted you to go. If you can be stirred by what is false, if you can be stirred by what is evil, don't wonder why your faith is weak. You have got to get to the place in your spiritual walk where you resist what is evil and what is false. And I'll tell you what, folks. The enemy is good. He knows how to disguise evil. He knows how to stir up your emotions. And he knows how to get you to buy something that's false. Area of global warming. We don't care if it's true. It's important. We could all die if it's true. So we got to take measures. See, we're, we're out of the area of what is sensible. We're into the area of what is emotional. Because that's where they win. I'm going to give you a few other scriptures, areas of scripture here before we go. Proverbs 16, verse 28. A perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. Don't be either of those two people. Don't ever work to separate people. Don't ever be perverse. Proverbs 6, 16. Look at this. Six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to Him. So there are six things that He hates, but there are the seventh one. This is an abomination. So let's take a look at them. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. How many is that? Three. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run evil, a false witness who breathes out lies. How many are we up to now? Six. So guess which one's the seventh? And one who sows discord among the brothers, brethren. Six things he hates, seven are an abomination. Hates all of them. These are things that he hates. God hates them. Hates them. You understand that? God hates these things. Doesn't like haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. Of those seven things in the story I told you about immigration, how many of those were involved? Does that shock you? 
that every single thing that God hates is involved in stories like that. Every single thing that God hates is involved in those kind of stories. And how many of you, not nobody here, I'm sure, how many of you know other Christians who bought into it and promoted it and spoke the words that they wanted spoken? How many of you know? What we have here, and if, if you did it yourself, just slap yourself on the face, say, wake up, Steve, and move on. And I'm going to be, you're not going to get me the next time. You got me on that one. You're not going to get me the next one. I'm going to, I'm going to catch on to this thing. And increase your resistance. Because you can get to the point where you are so resistant to it. I use Jesus as an example. When this evil came against Jesus, do you ever see him buckle? Do you ever see him buy into the lies? He exposes every one of them. He is so resistant to this. Did it? He's, he's not even concerned about it. Not even concerned. Give me an example of poison ivy. How many people are susceptible to poison ivy? That you have had poison ivy? Three people? Really? That's it? Three people? I used to get it. I used to get it between my fingers all the time. And um, I remember my mom used to buy stuff and I soak my hands in it. My friend and I, we got so tired of this stuff and it hurt so much that we decided that greater pain was better. And so we scraped the poison ivy open and soaked it in bleach. There was no scientific study that told us to do this. We just decided bleach kills everything. And so we did that. I don't know if it helped or not. But uh, doesn't it help your chlor- the, the If you go into a chlorinated pool, doesn't it help the poison ivy? So we just magnified it. We just put a straight bleach right in there. Hurt a lot. But uh, that's how bad I used to get it. I don't get it no more. But I think about those days when I see poison ivy. Think about that. It's that poison ivy. How resistant are you to Some people can go play in it. You don't get affected. But not, not everybody. See, the more resistant, if you get resistant to something... You have no fear of it. You walk right in the midst of a poison ivy field. But if you don't think you have resistance to it, you become fearful. You become afraid. What does Jesus say about that? Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. This is important, folks. I want you to get. To, I want you to have victory in this. I want you to be able to take the things that God has given you and pull them out. But understand, there are forces out there who don't want you pulling them out, and they're coming against you. And they continually come against you. They have kept you from the things of God. They kept Abraham from the things of God. Because if Abraham has a baby, all nations are blessed. Here comes the Messiah. We can't have that. He had to keep him. All forces were against Abraham having a kid. Because he knew what would happen if Abraham had that kid. We've got to stop this. You want to talk about the spirit of Antichrist, everything he had came against Abraham. Everything the spirit of Antichrist had came against David, came against Moses, because these were foundational folks in the, in the uh, lineage of Messiah. Foundational ones. I can keep on naming people, but we're not going to do that. 
Proverbs 11.27. Put it on your bulletin. Did you read your bulletin here this morning? Did you see the front cover? I gave you two in a little different translation on the front cover. I'll read it for you. I have your bulletin. I just want to read that. How I'll put it here. Thank you. Anyone can, fi- can find dirt in someone, but the one who finds it, or, but the one who finds the gold, or be the one, I can, can't really read that. Be the one who finds the gold. I like the way that was phrased in there. Here's how it actually says it in the New King James. He who earnestly seeks good finds, a fav- finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. Trouble will come to him who seeks evil. When you go out and you deal with your brothers and sisters, the enemy is going to tell you evil things about them. He's going to help you pick up on clues as to the evil that's in them. And he's going to turn your heart against them. Anybody can find dirt. Be the one who finds the gold. Remember David had 600 men? Everybody else thought they were dirt. What did David find? He found 600 pieces of gold who became some of the fiercest fighting men in that day. Inspired movies such as Rambo. Proverbs 29, verse 22 in the uh, ESV. A man of wrath stirs up strife and one given to anger causes much transgression. Don't be people of wrath. Don't be one given to anger. But see, this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to pull you into the area of anger. He wants to pull you in the area of wrath. These people must die for what they did. And yet they didn't do anything. Stephen must die. Naboth must die. And yet they hadn't done anything but, but good things. We need to get to the place, folks, where only what God speaks moves us. In our society today with news, Facebook, Twitter, all this stuff, there is plenty to stir up your emotions with what is false. But you've got to learn how to be resistant to it. That as soon as you pick up the spirit of Antichrist, as soon as you pick up things stirring up that way, your resistance is on. Star Trek lingo again. Shields up. Don't let that stuff get in. You know you're going into something dangerous. You get your shields up. That's what you do. I watch some of those Star Trek episodes and they're going into something and I'm thinking, get the shields up. Get the shields up. Put the shields up. I know it's coming. And of course they don't. And they take a, take a hit and damage happens. Shouldn't have happened because anybody with some sense would have put the shields up. They didn't do it. I got one more quote here for you. It's not in your outline. It's only in mine. All the strife in this world is due to three people. Got your interest? All the strife in this world is due to three people. A newscaster, a news seeker, and a news listener. Now I put this outside of that. Which one of these would you be? Don't be any of them. See, they, they stir up strife. You don't want to do that. The devil can keep you in the area of anger. He can keep you in the area of emotion. He can keep you from what God has given you. He can keep you from it. Don't let him do it. When the enemy is coming along and trying to get you angry, resist it. You will not. You will not 
put me in the area of anger. I'm not going to get angry at these people. I'm not going to give in to these reports that you're telling me. I'm not going to get angry at life. I'm not going to get angry at, at these... I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to be full of joy. I'm going to stay in the area of faith. Because when you stay in the area of faith, He cannot defeat you. Cannot defeat you. But if He pulls you out of that realm, if He pulls you out of that place, and gets you into the area of emotion, your defeat is inevitable. Don't let Him defeat you. There's another aspect of this whole thing I want to get into. But we'll have to take two weeks because next week we have Brother Marty coming. How can I become resistant? It's, not, it's one thing to say, you know, become resistant. How do I become resistant? How do I become resistant to that sort of stuff? How do I become like an Elisha who just seems to be completely immune to everything that goes on around him? Not, not phased at all. How do we become like Jesus who becomes immune to everything going on around him focused on what God said to do? How about Paul? How immune was he to all the stuff that went around him? And others in Scripture. How can I get to be that immune to all the things that are going on around me to keep me out of this negative stuff, to keep me out of being angry? You see, if you stop being angry with the people that are around you, you can pull good things out of them. If you pull good things out of the people that are around you, they will help you attain good things. If God sees you pulling good things out of his children instead of bad, guess who's on your side? God is showing up even more to make sure good things happen for you. And the enemy knows this is the way it goes. So he's going to try everything he can to get your emotions stirred up, get you mad, get you angry. Do not let it happen. Resistance is not futile. You can be successful. Would you all stand up with me? Father God, we thank you that we can resist every attack the enemy throws against our way. Every time he tries to stir up our emotions to think that we are a failure. Every time he tries to stir up our emotions saying, it's not going to be successful. You're not going to be successful. You're not going to have victory there. Every time he tells us that we cannot have the things that you told us are in the well. We can develop a resistance that every time he speaks it, instead of being fearful and worry, we laugh. Because his efforts are useless against us. Father, I thank you for the strength that we have that comes from you. We can resist everything that comes our way and only believe those things that come from your word. Staying in the area of faith and out of the area of fear. We give you the glory and the praise for it. For there is so much in the will for us to draw from. But we need to be drawing. There is so much in Jesus that we can pull from. But we need to be pulling. I thank you, Father, that we can do it. We give you the glory and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. If you're here today and you say, mm-mm, you know what? I have been pulled into the area of emotion for things from my life, what the God has promised me. How many of you can say that you identify? I don't mean years past. I mean either right now or recent past. 
You have gone through things and the enemy has tried to pull you into an emotional realm. Raise your hand. I'm not your inside hand. I don't want to see. <laughs> All right, a couple of you. All right, we'll keep them going then. It's so important that we stay out of this. It's so important that we stay out of it. I'll tell you what, greater victory is there. Sometimes the only reason we have been defeated is because we have gone into the wrong realm. Everything else we know, everything else that we're doing is right, but we're in the wrong realm. We've gone into the emotional realm. We are not in the faith realm. What is sensible, what the Word says. We're not there anymore. Do you have any praise reports to go over? Go over. Joe's got one up here. Ray, you got any in the back? All right. The, the, the Sahadat say, thank God for helping us to react quickly and avoid a bad accident last week after church just up the street on 611. Wow. On the way home. Mm. We thank God for that one too. That is good. All right. Well, how many of you smell some barbecue? Man, I'm just, I just started smelling it now. Somebody must open the doors up. This is open for everyone, dads or not. We want everybody to head on over there if you can. And uh, if you're going out to eat afterwards, just, just do one hot dog or one hamburger. Just to hold you over until you get through the line. But we just want you to go on over there and have some fellowship, have some fun. They've, they, uh, uh, folks over there at Children's Church have put a lot of work in to cook up some stuff and make things ready. So uh, head on over there, grab yourself a hot dog. If you're not going out until later on tonight for uh, dinner or making something up at home, then you, know, you can grab two hot dogs or a hamburger and a hot dog or, or something like that. And uh, I heard that this year, again, my daughter was making guacamole. I don't know if it actually happened, but last year she made some guacamole and she had to pull some aside because apparently this church has a lot of guacamole fans. So <laughs> help yourself with the guacamole just save me some. Just a little bit for the top of the hamburger. That'd be great. Blessed to have you out here today. Thanks all for, for coming on by. We'll see you over here next door. No church on Wednesday night. We pick up with Brother Marty. And Brother Marty is one of those, I'll tell you what, you want to see somebody who laughs at the face of the devil, come on out here and learn how to laugh at the face of the devil. He'll help you out with that. It's a good time for that. He's going to be here Friday night at 7, Saturday night at 6, Sunday morning at 10. It's in your bulletin in two different places. Got it in there on the schedule page. Got it there on the announcement page. And, of course, we've had it out there some other, other times. But this, uh, invite some people to come on out. Don't know what Brother Marty's going to get into this time, but it's going to be good. We're going to look forward to it. And we start up on Friday night.